This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Spotlight Interview. I'm George Shakovic. Man, look at this panel right here. We got champions, Pauli Malinaji. We got Chris Algieri. And we have the man of the hour. We've been trying so long to get him. The one and only, the great, the Hall of Famer, Andre Ward. Andre Ward, thank you so much for being here. Man, I'm happy to be on. What's going on, fellas? Man, it listen, we, we talked when we were... Um, uh, uh, getting ready to do the show. And I let you know, I used to be with HBO. I was with HBO for 15 years. You and I never worked together, but I did tell you on your 24-7 that you had with Chad Dawson, I was I was with uh, Chad Dawson's team. You're on the other side. Yeah. So, so do, just don't hold that against me, please. It worked, Chad, out, it worked out pretty good, so I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, but Chad, you know, Chad is a good guy. I mean, he's a, like he's a really good guy, and, and I enjoyed the time with him. But, uh, so we've got you on this show. You've got a book coming out called Killing the Image. Um, your team was, was gracious enough to share it with us. And I read about 50 or 60 pages. And I absolutely love the book. I mean, you're, you're talking about real, real stuff. It's real talk in the book. And you really open up on your personal life. But I want to ask you, it's called Killing the Image. Now, I know why it's called that, because I did read the first like 60 pages. But tell us why was it why, why did you write the book and why is it called killing the image man i'll start with the the title man uh, you know the title is you know very polarizing you know and you know if you don't read if you don't open the book you can have you know many different takeaways of what you think it means um but really it just originated from you know my pastor just having a discussion with me um i was talking to him about just kind of being frustrated man about some of the guys i was mentoring and they looking at me like man you don't get it you didn't come from this you don't understand and, you know, he said, Dre, you got to kill the image. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, no, you, who you are is real, but it's not who you've always been. You can tell this story now. And that's what we did in this book. And that may kill some images of what people had of me. Um, it may, you know, it's just going to pull the cover back and just show people that I'm not just an athlete and a guy who want to go medal and, and world championships. Like I have a story and it's a very deep story. Uh, it's a lot of story that many people in, in this world and in America have. Um, I was just ready to finally tell mine. And then, the you know, the other meaning is that, you know, I've always felt like boxing was short-sighted in the sense that for a young African-American fighter specifically, um, we have to be like Floyd or else we're not interested. And, you know, they want to use things like, oh, punching power or this or that. And it's like, nah, I have a guy like Danny Jacobs who – has overcome cancer. Danny hits plenty hard. 
and he's a model citizen. He raises his son and you guys don't push him like you push this. So I also had to resist some of the images that were tried to, you know, that were that were pushed on me uh, throughout my career. So many meanings to the book. It was time to tell the book. Uh, excuse me. It was time to tell the story and write the book as well as the documentary. It's here now. I'm excited. And uh, in a few days, the world will have it. Dre, you, you mentioned a lot about um, how you present and, and leading by example. And I've heard from from you in different interviews where people talk about your comeback and you say, no, I want to be an example to to these young fighters so they don't have to come back. I'm going to be that guy who goes out on top and 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 stays there and, and is a man of his word. Um, I guess my, my question is twofold. When did you realize that you were someone that that was an example and that the youth was going to be looking at you? And then number two, what was your source of strength through those times when you said you were getting those pulls to be a different way? Um, you, you talked about wrestling with certain situations. Um, I know that you, you had some 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 other issues around your boxing career. What was your source of strength that kept you on track with being that person who can be an example to the next generation of fighters? Well, I'm, I'm gonna start with the first question. I think, you know, um, I've always been a leader. Um, I feel like I got that from my father. I feel like that was just God given. And, you know, you can see that come out in the amateurs. You can see that come out at the Olympic Training Center, getting ready for the Olympics. It's just always kind of been my thing is just to lead the pack, lead by example, and then speak if I have to. You know, I'm not a person that just tried to tell people what to do. I just lead by example. And I started to notice that people were inspired by that. I started to notice that people rallied around that. And even when I turned pro, you start to see the younger generation. Man, that's my favorite fighter. Man, I want to talk to him. Man, hey, can you get him on the phone? And I started seeing that I had a sphere of influence. And, and that excited me. That encouraged me because... I, I didn't forget being that young fighter and a lot of guys not coming back to the Olympic Training Center. I mean, we only had, and I don't mean it in a bad way, but we only had one fighter and that was Andrew Maynard, you know, light heavyweight gold medalist from the 88 Olympics in Seoul, Korea. And I'm like, where's everybody at? And that also motivated me to want to be an example. And, you know, given everything that I talk about in this book and everything that I've overcome, um, it would be selfish for me not to give back. It would be selfish for me to to not try to be an example. And the other thing, uh, Chris, is that I studied the game for whatever reason. When I was a young kid, I like I studied things that other people didn't study. Like I knew that Roy Jones always had like a bow tie on the side of his trunks that had two tassels hanging down. Why I knew that, why I recognized that, I don't know. But I noticed like the finer details of the sport, and I noticed that man, the, these fighters come from nothing. They have something for a little bit of time and there's like this like crash and burn and it's just accepted. And before I knew like what I was even saying, I knew that I didn't want to be that. And I just tried to do all that I could to move in a different direction. And even the first comment that I made about what's put on a lot of fighters in general and then specifically African-American fighters, I noticed that as well. And I just had the courage to speak out against it and say, man, I just want to be different. Um, but what I just said, and then also staying away, like you said, the motivation, that came from having a healthy community, man. My pastor, Napoleon Kaufman, former Raider, uh, he retired the way that I retired. I studied him. I picked up the phone and asked questions. Verge was obviously there. And a few close brothers that I have in my life, along with my wife, man, helped me when I need to bounce things off of people during my career. And even in times when that competitor, that fire, starts to starts to get you know sort of get kindled and I'm like hold on hold on I, man I, hey let's let me think about this maybe I could do 
I need those voices in my life to tell me, bro, you can, but you shouldn't. Like, like stick to the script, remember what you said, and let's keep doing what we're doing. So family and community, bro, is a big thing for me. Well, I want to lead into that because um, I know mentoring fighters is very important to you. And I, I only bring these fighters up because they're in the news right now. But Keyshawn Davis and Jared Anderson have gotten to some some trouble. I, I don't know what their personal lives are like. And this is not keying on them. But but Andre, tell me why mentoring fighters is so so important to you and to them. Well, again, I think I think for one, I know what the mentorship I had in my life, what it did for me. I know that I had many crossroads where I believe that, I mean, there was a point in time where, and I talk about this in the book, where I was like, I'm done with boxing. I don't care about boxing. Like, I want my life back. I've been doing this since I've been nine years old. All I'm hearing about is nationals and being number one and having to go run and getting a gold medal. I'm sick of it. I'm over it. And I needed that person. And that person was virgin. Say, bro, hold on. Like, you let this pass you up, you're going to always regret it. And there's days where I randomly think about that. Like, man, if I didn't get a gold medal, and come into the pro game that my life may look totally different. So I see what mentorship did for me and I just want to pay it forward. I want to pay it forward as best I can and always be a guy that if you pick up the phone and call me, I'm going to ask. And if I got something for you, I'm going to try to give it to you because it, it's, it's really a village, man. You know, it's really a village. These guys, the two guys that you named and others, they're grown. But just because you're grown and you're 22, 24, 25 years old, Dude, you still need people around. You still need people to pull your coattail because myself and others, you guys on here, I've been down this road that you like literally have been down this road. So I can almost predict hey, at this point, this is what's going to happen. The first time you have a lackluster performance, this is what you can expect. But look, this is how you respond though. So I'm just trying to pay it forward, man. I had a lot of good people in my life. I wouldn't be here without them. And if I can be that to somebody else, man, let's do it. Champ, you know, you, you, uh, you mentioning these mentors. Uh, when I first, took notice of you and saw you uh, as the 2001 U.S. Championships. Uh, we were both competing that week. And uh, your father, there was a lot of talk around your father. I don't know if an article had come out that week or something. There was something that was uh, a lot of revolving around your father, who I, you know, I assume was one of your mentors. But then later on uh, in your story, I found out how, you know, you, both your parents battled drug addiction and, and all that other stuff. How did you and your father's uh, relationship get to that strong bond and overcome things like that uh, to the point where by the time I saw you, for example, and, and, and met you, um, it was clearly uh, something that was uh, that defined you at that time in your life was uh, that, that strong bond with your, with your father. Yeah, I remember you, you had the, uh, the leopard trunks on. I yeah. remember I kept hearing him. Like, <laughs> like, man, what is this dude, bro? He's different. Uh, man, my dad, uh, for a lot of my life, was my mom and my dad. You know, my mother struggled a heavy crack addiction. Uh, she was oftentimes in San Francisco uh, on the streets um, trying to figure it out. And I was in the East Bay and my dad had a had a, an addiction as well off and on. But he was a functional addict, meaning he can get up and go to work every day. But then when he came home, he had to deal with that monkey. He had to deal with that addiction. My mother was a full blown addict where she wasn't present. So that's where me and my dad really developed a relationship. And like most boys, um, I just admire my dad. I just wanted to be just like him. Um, if you could, my father was alive, you would say, dude, I didn't realize how much you're like your father. Like when I got up against Kovalev and kind of smiled at him, that's Frank Ward, like that's my dad. So I just have a lot of my father in me. We built a strong bond. 
uh, through my early years, even in the midst of his struggles. And I just admired my father because even though he struggled, he never left. And my dad was a grinder, man. I got my work ethic from him as well. He owned his own glass company, put, you know, uh, either storefront windows in or residential windows in. And he, he, he ran his own business called Mobile Glass. And I just had a lot of uh, admiration for my father. And we had a strong, strong bond, even though he had struggles in his personal life. Great. What uh, what what is what is your life like now? What you know, post post career? Obviously, you've been very busy with the book. Um, I know how much goes into that. You said you put everything into it. Obviously, the documentary as well. I know now you're you're probably doing all the the, the touring and getting it out there. But um, aside from all that, what what is what is Andre Ward's life like these days? Man, I think for the rest of this year, um, my goal was to sort of just exhale and breathe a little bit and like regroup, you know, um, I'm not with ESPN anymore. Um, my contract was up and I think it was a blessing in disguise because, you know, ever since 2017, I haven't stopped moving. You know, I was working for HBO full time and then I was prepping, doing pre-production for the doc and then production for the doc and then trying to sell the doc. And then, you know, I got into ministry. I'm a minister at my church and, I got five kids at home and I went from that to working for ESPN and then went from that to writing a book. And it's like, I have all these things been in, you know, the Creed movies and like, I haven't stopped moving since I retired. I think it was good for me because I needed something. I needed to translate that, that, that drive and that, that, you know, that hunger and that desire to have a mission, right. Which we, we as fighters have had most of our lives into something, but I haven't exhaled. So I've been just trying to exhale get the book together, start the promo, do all that stuff, but just try to just breathe a little bit, Chris, and um, regroup. Um, ministry is really heavy in my life right now. I said it in the book. I feel like that's my true calling. Um, I think I'll always be a part of the sport in some fashion or form. Um, you know, that's my baby. And um, so we'll see how that that develops over time. And just, just projects, business, and uh, hopefully some more books, man. I feel like I got a, I got about three more books in the queue right now. So I hit my agent the other day and I was like, man, I got this one. I got this one. I got this one. She was like, all right, let's just sell this one first and then we'll talk. So I think writing is one of my uh, hidden talents. And I think I got a lot to say. And I think book form is a way that I'm going to tell my story. Andre, you mentioned ESPN and um, speaking as a fan, like looking at this panel right here. You three are, are three of the best boxing analysts that, I, that I've ever heard, and it's not a very long list. So speaking as a fan, you're, you're very much missed. And I know you said you needed a breath, and I respect that because you yep. have been, you know, you've been doing a lot in your life. But at some point in the future, are, do you have any plans to get back behind the mic? Because as a fan, as a fan fans are losing out not hearing you break down fights, break down fighters. I mean, you, the three of you and you, Andre, you, you do it great. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that compliment. Um, I think I'm open, you know, it just has to be the right situation. Um, so we'll see, you know, I'm not, I'm not closing the door on it. I'm open to it. It just has to be the right situation. Yeah. I like, uh, in your analysis, um, you know, you have a skill that, uh, not all of us analysts have. I know I, I don't, I struggle with this particular skill that you have, you know, you're able to sit down with fighters and, you know, conduct these long form interviews uh, like like you were doing at ESPN. And uh, I noticed that and I was like, and Andre has that in him, you know, where you can make it in conversation form. And, um, you know, you have that 
sort of dynamic with the fighters and you're able to, um, you know, make it a, make it a good interview, you know, uh, uh, interesting interviews and, in, uh, you know, in that chat form, you know, for me, I feel like I'm just an analyst, you know what I mean? I feel like I'm analyzing the fights, but I struggle with, uh, with, cer with certain, with that area, but, uh, it was something I noticed, uh, uh, in, in your skill set, uh, and it's very good. And, and it, you know, it was something that I, I used to look, look, I enjoy watching. Man, I appreciate it. It took some time, you know, um, it's not easy. Um, you know, for most of our careers, like, you know, it's just about us, you know, it's, it's, we're talking about ourselves and now you got to put the focus on somebody else and make sure that, you know, it's all about them and, and just trying to ask the right questions. But what I try to do in interview form is ask questions that I would really want to get the answers to. Like I'm, I'm always going to be a fan of the sport and, um, Asking those types of questions gets those 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 good those good answers, and then obviously, you know, a lot of the respect that I feel like guys have for me, they're 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 willing to open up as well. So that's what I try to do, man. But I, I appreciate that, Polly. I appreciate that, brother. We're we're about to wrap this up, but Chris, I want you to get the last uh, the last question for Andre. Yeah. Um. I'm, I'm, first of all, your 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 exhale is well well deserved. And I'm happy that that you're getting it. So I wanted to say that first off. <clears throat> and um, to piggyback off of, of what Paulie said, I mean, the first time I, I heard you sit down and do like a real interview, we were actually interviewing Danny Jacobs when I was in camp with him. Yep. And we sat down and just like Paulie said, I mean, just just concise, but also cool and comfortable. It felt it felt like we didn't realize there was cameras there. You're, you're, you're excellent at that, as well as calling fights, whatnot. And like you said, Boxing's your baby, I'm sure there there will be a way for you to step back in at some point. Um, yeah. But I guess just real quick, what, what do you think about, um, I know this could be a heavy question, but what do you think about the current state of boxing? You know, HBO is no longer, Showtime's no longer, you know, what 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 is next? If you did say you were going to come, if possibility of coming back, um, the landscape has changed. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 ever changing, man. Uh, I still can't believe that HBO is not in boxing. Um, Showtime is getting out of boxing, as you mentioned. I'm not happy about that, and and I have my concerns. You know, um, I'm not a person that likes a lot of change, so I like the way things were. You know, I like some of the new stuff too, but I just don't want this great sport to become cheapened or be on platforms where uh, it doesn't have that same big fight feel. Like I remember the HBO anthem, duh, 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 duh. Like that's the type of stuff that gave me goosebumps at 11, 12 years old. I just don't want to lose that feel, even though we're watching a boxing match, because there's a ton of talent out there. You name just two of the guys, uh, but there's a lot more uh, young fighters coming up and boxing is in good hands from that respect. I just want to make sure that the platform situation, that it lands in the uh, in the right place because boxing deserves it. Well, Andre, we're going we're gonna to wrap this up, but we got to have you come back. We have to do a longer interview with you because we could talk to you for two, three hours. You, um, the book Killing the Image. When does it officially come out, Andre? 14. It's coming up. November 14th. Make sure you get it. I've only read 50 pages and, I, and I'm hooked. I, I can't wait to get the book in my hand and read it. Killing the Image is the book. The fighter, the man, the myth, the legend is Andre Ward. Andre, as a fellow HBO alum, I've appreciated your career in and out of the ring, as do Chris and Pauly. And we look forward to having you back soon. Make sure you download the ProBox TV app because you get this right here on the screen. You get champions and Hall of Famers and legends. That's what ProBox delivers. ProBox TV is your boxing channel. Thank you, Andre.